Chapter Eleven of The Terror. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. The Terror by Arthur Mackin. Chapter Eleven at Treff Loin Farm. Let it be remembered again and again that all the while that the terror lasted there was no common stock of information as to the dreadful things that were being done the press had not said one word upon it there was no criterion by which the mass of the people could separate fact from mere vague rumour no test by which ordinary misadventure or disaster could be distinguished from the achievements of the secret and awful force that was at work and so with every event of the passing day a harmless commercial traveller might show himself in the course of his business in the tumble-down main street of miros and find himself regarded with looks of fear and suspicion as a possible worker of murder while it is likely enough that the true agents of the terror went quite unnoticed and since the real nature of all this mystery of death was unknown it followed easily that the signs and warnings and omens of it were all the more unknown here was horror there was horror but there was no links to join one horror with another no common basis of knowledge from which the connection between this horror and that horror might be inferred so there was no one who suspected at all that this dismal and hollow sound that was now heard of nights in the region to the north of porth had any relation at all to the case of the little girl who went out one afternoon to pick purple flowers and never returned or to the case of the man whose body was taken out of the peaty slime of the marsh or to the case of craddock dead in his fields with a strange glimmering of light about his body as his wife reported and it is a question as to how far the rumour of this melancholy nocturnal summons got abroad at all lewis heard of it as a country doctor hears of most things driving up and down lanes but he heard of it without much interest with no sense that it was in any sort of relation to the terror remnant had been given the story of the hollow and echoing voice of the darkness in a coloured and picturesque form he employed a tredonoc man to work in his garden once a week the gardener had not heard the summons himself but he knew a man who had done so thomas junkins pentoppin he did put his head out late last night to see what the weather was like and he was cutting a field of corn the next day and he did tell me that when he was with the methodists in cardigan he did never hear no singing eloquence in the chapels that was like to it he did declare it was like a wailing of judgment day remnant considered the matter and was inclined to think that the sound must be caused by a subterranean inlet of the sea there might be he supposed an imperfect or half-opened or tortuous blowhole in the tredonoc woods and the noise of the tide surging up below might very well produce that effect of a hollow wailing far away 
but neither he nor anyone else paid much attention to the matter save the few who heard the call at dead of night as it echoed awfully over the black hills the sound had been heard for three or perhaps four nights when the people coming out of tredonoc church after morning service on sunday noticed that there was a big yellow sheep-dog in the churchyard the dog it appeared had been waiting for the congregation for it at once attached itself to them at first to the whole body and then to a group of half a dozen who took the turning to the right two of these presently went off over the fields to their respective houses and four strolled on in the leisurely sunday morning manner of the country and these the dog followed keeping to heel all the time the men were talking hay corn and markets and paid no attention to the animal and so they strolled along the autumn lane till they came to a gate in the hedge whence a roughly made farm road went through the fields and dipped down into the woods and to treff loin farm then the dog became like a possessed creature he barked furiously he ran up to one of the men and looked up at him as if he were begging for his life as the man said and then rushed to the gate and stood by it wagging his tail and barking at intervals the men stared and laughed whose dog will that be said one of them it will be thomas griffith's trefloin said another well then why doesn't he go home go home then he went through the gesture of picking up a stone from the road and throwing it at the dog go home then over the gate with you but the dog never stirred he barked and whined and ran up to the men and then back to the gate at last he came to one of them and crawled and abased himself on the ground and then took hold of the man's coat and tried to pull him in the direction of the gate the farmer shook the dog off and the four went on their way and the dog stood in the road and watched them and then put up its head and uttered a long and dismal howl that was despair the four farmers thought nothing of it sheep dogs in the country are dogs to look after sheep and their whims and fancies are not studied but the yellow dog he was a kind of degenerate collie haunted the tredonoc lanes from that day he came to a cottage door one night and scratched at it and when it was opened lay down and then barking ran to the garden gate and waited entreating as it seemed the cottager to follow him they drove him away and again he gave that long howl of anguish it was almost as bad they said as the noise that they had heard a few nights before and then it occurred to somebody so far as i can make out with no particular reference to the odd conduct of the trefloin sheepdog that thomas griffith had not been seen for some time past he had missed market day at porth he had not been seen at tredonoc church where he was a pretty regular attendant on sunday and then as heads were put together it appeared that nobody had seen any of the griffiths family for days and days now in a town even a small town this process of putting heads together is a pretty quick business in the country especially in a countryside of wild lands and scattered and lonely farms and cottages the affair takes time harvest was going on 
everybody was busy in his own fields, and after the long day's hard work neither the farmer nor his men felt inclined to stroll about in search of news or gossip. A harvester at the day's end is ready for supper and sleep, and for nothing else. And so it was late in that week when it was discovered that Thomas Griffith and all his house had vanished from this world. I have often been reproached for my curiosity over questions which are apparently of slight importance, or of no importance at all. I love to inquire, for instance, into the question of the visibility of a lighted candle at a distance. Suppose, that is, a candle lighted on a still, dark night in the country. What is the greatest distance at which you can see that there is a light at all? And then, as to the human voice, what is its carrying distance, under good conditions, as a mere sound, apart from any matter of making out words that may be uttered? They are trivial questions, no doubt, but they have always interested me, and the latter point has its application to the strange business of Treff Loyne. That melancholy and hollow sound, that wailing summons that appalled the hearts of those who heard it was, indeed, a human voice, produced in a very exceptional manner, and it seems to have been heard at points varying from a mile and a half to two miles from the farm. I do not know whether this is anything extraordinary. I do not know whether the peculiar method of production was calculated to increase or to diminish the carrying power of the sound. Again and again I have laid emphasis in this story of the terror on the strange isolation of many of the farms and cottages in Marion. I have done so in the effort to convince the townsman of something that he has never known. To the Londoner, a house a quarter of a mile from the outlying suburban lamp, with no other dwelling within two hundred yards, is a lonely house, a place to fit with ghosts and mysteries and terrors. How can he understand, then, the true loneliness of the white farmhouses of Marion, dotted here and there, for the most part, not even on the little lanes and deep winding byways, but set in the very heart of the fields, or alone on huge bastioned headlands facing the sea. And, whether on the high verge of the sea, or on the hills, or in the hollows of the inner country, hidden from the sight of men, far from the sound of any common call. There is Penner Hall, for example, the farm from which the foolish Merritt thought he saw signals of light being made. From seaward it is, of course, widely visible, but from landward, owing partly to the curving and indented configuration of the bay, I doubt whether any other habitation views it from a nearer distance than three miles. And of all these hidden and remote places, I doubt if any is so deeply buried as Trefloin. I have little or no Welch, I am sorry to say, but I suppose that the name is corrupted from Trelwen, or Trefilwen, the place in the grove, and indeed it lies in the very heart of dark overhanging woods. A deep, narrow valley runs down from the highlands of the Alt, through these woods, through steep hillsides of bracken and gorse, right down to the great marsh, whence Merritt saw the dead man being carried. The valley lies away from any road, even from that by-road, little better than a bridle-path, 
where the four farmers returning from church were perplexed by the strange antics of the sheepdog one cannot say that the valley is overlooked even from a distance for so narrow is it that the ash groves that rim it on either side seem to meet and shut it in i at all events have never found any high place from which Trafloin is visible though looking down from the alt i have seen blue wood smoke rising from its hidden chimneys such was the place then to which one september afternoon a party went up to discover what had happened to griffith and his family there were a half a dozen farmers a couple of policemen and four soldiers carrying their arms those last had been lent by the officer commanding at the camp lewis too was of the party he had heard by chance that no one knew what had become of griffith and his family and he was anxious about a young fellow a painter of his acquaintance who had been lodging at trafloin all the summer they all met by the gate of tredonoc churchyard and tramped solemnly along the narrow lane all of them i think with some vague discomfort of mind with a certain shadowy fear as of men who do not quite know what they may encounter lewis heard the corporal and the three soldiers arguing over their orders the captain says to me muttered the corporal don't hesitate to shoot if there's any trouble shoot what sir i says the trouble says he and that's all i could get out of him the men grumbled in reply lewis thought he heard some obscure reference to rat poison and wondered what they were talking about they came to the gate in the hedge where the farm road led down to trefloin they followed this track roughly made with grass growing up between its loosely laid stones down by the hedge from field to wood till at last they came to the sudden walls of the valley and the sheltering groves of the ash trees here the way curved down the steep hillside and bent southward and followed henceforward the hidden hollow of the valley under the shadow of the trees here was the farm enclosure the outlying walls of the yard and the barns and sheds and outhouses one of the farmers threw open the gate and walked into the yard and forthwith began bellowing at the top of his voice thomas griffith thomas griffith where be you thomas griffith the rest followed him the corporal snapped out an order over his shoulder and there was a rattling metallic noise as the men fixed their bayonets and became in an instant dreadful dealers out of death in place of harmless fellows with a feeling for beer thomas griffith again bellowed the farmer there was no answer to this summons but they found poor griffith lying on his face at the edge of the pond in the middle of the yard there was a ghastly wound in his side as if a sharp stake had been driven into his body. End of chapter 11